This is Steve Goodrich, known on the trail as Bird Shooter, and this is N2 Backpacking, a podcast for both hikers and backpackers. Hikers, Bird Shooter here. And today on the show we celebrate the coming holiday with our first Halloween special ever. And we discuss some of the spooky and crazy-ass things that have happened in the backcountry. Cardiac and Drone Boy join me in the studio podcast, and the goal is not to scare you. Well, well, actually, Cardiac thinks it is. So we talk through some disturbing trail events that have happened in the last two decades. But in reality, the backcountry is statistically way safer than any metro area. So don't let this episode freak you out and keep you from hiking. Many of the events we discuss are well publicized, and some, frankly, do not have a happy ending. Uh, We even share some scary personal encounters and expect that you have some of your own. So drop us a comment, let us know about your scary experiences. Here is episode 102, the N2 Backpacking Halloween Special. All right, backpackers, this is Bird Shooter, and it's the Halloween episode. Our first one, actually, and I have Cardiac and Drone Boy in the studio to discuss some spooky and crazy-ass things that have happened in the backcountry over the last 20 years. Are you going to put spooky music, like, underneath? I can, if you'd like. <laughs> That'd be good. <laughs> I think you should do the Halloween music to say to, to emphasize this. I'll yeah. throw it in there, just for yeah, you. I think it's great. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Hi. It's great to be here. Thanks, Bird Shooter. Yeah, what, what plans do you guys have uh, for Halloween, by the way? I, I turn off my light. Really? No pumpkins on. I have what? nothing. I have kids, dude. Uh, I uh, I'm not against ageism, so I trick or treat, <laughs> and uh, I enjoy candy, as you both know. And I have a pile sitting. In there front is of a here. pile of wrappers that that you can't. Yeah. See. So I will um I will probably go trick or treating. I dress up as Gumby. Nobody knows. They think I'm celery, unfortunately, in today's world, which That's is kind of rough. Like I'll go to the door, they're like, "Why did you dress like celery?" And I'm like, "I'm Gumby, damn it." That's awesome. Yep. So the wife and I are going to just do a little fire out front, and uh, you know my kids being in high school like yours right now. Well, your kids are they in high school? Now? Yeah. yeah well, one is. I got one in uh, the two that I know of. I got one in tenth and one in seventh. Yeah, you're, they're at the age where they ditch in high school, right? It's yeah. like they want nothing to do with you. Oh, trust me, in seventh grade they ditch you too. <laughs> yeah, but so we'll uh, we'll share some treats with the neighborhood kids and sit around the fire. It'll be awesome. Nice. But, um, well, hopefully yeah. you can share some of these stories that we're going to talk about today with with the kids when they come by. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. Scare the hell out of them, right? <laughs> Perfect. Isn't that the point of Halloween? Yeah. Do you guys have a in the hiking topic? You guys got a favorite uh, hike that you've done over Halloween or around the holiday? I don't. I mean, with the leaves and stuff, um, I I can't remember. But uh, Alabama's really nice this time of year, believe and it or speaking not. Speaking of horror, that's great, Gary. Bring up Alabama on <laughs> horror trail. I, think I, I love Alabama. Is but, I, I but a football comment. Yeah, two I, of mine are actually in Alabama, I think. Right. Why, did, why did I hear banjos playing when yeah, you said that? I know, exactly. I, um, you know, we, we talk about it, but the, I, one of the things when I was doing research for this podcast was, do you guys know what is well known across the hiking community? What the world's scariest hiking trail is? Is it that, it's that one in China, right? Where you're, it is, is that it, right? Where you're going around a cliff and it's yep. ladders and stuff. Or? Yeah, it's called Mount 
Huishan, H-U-A-S-H-A-N, Mount Huishan. And if you guys Google that, and hopefully your listeners will, I mean, it's, I mean, Gary would never do it. Let me no. just be dead no. honest. It looks, no. I would do it in a second. It looks incredible. And, they, and um, in reading some of the horror stories, I mean, it, like, it's beautiful. And I saw pictures. They show you pictures of all the places you go. But the hike to get to those places, I mean, you're on ledges. If you have any fear of heights. The, um, the drop is, like, ridiculous, too, right? Like, I mean, there's nothing holding. I mean, literally, you're walking foot in front of foot along a ledge on a mountain. And then they have, like, boards put in there where there's, like, gaps. Yeah. Like, somebody wedged a, a two-by-four. Just let me just wedge this board in. No. I did a hike like that in Spain. I yeah. forget the name of it, but it used to be the scariest hike, I think, before this one was actually. And what it was was they built this um, way back when. They built this bridge uh, and dam. And so the workers had to get to the bridge, and they would basically just have pegs on the side. And we did that hike. Unfortunately, now it's turned, and I need to look it up. I'll look up what, what hike it is, and we can include it in the notes. But now it's like a tourist thing. They put up freaking bridges, and you can still see the pegs and stuff down below. But you're walking over, like, you know, a boardwalk. So it's not scary, and they give you like hard hats, and they they don't even clip you in at this point. I'm taking it both these have huge drops, right? Like it looked look yeah. like the one in China. Yeah. You had a ma- massive oh, drop. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. this yeah. one this one was about, I think 1,500, 2,000 feet down. Oh yeah. But wow. that you know what Gary just reminded me of is, um, have you guys been to Jerome, Arizona? No, no. So Jerome is the most vertical city in the U.S. It there is over 88 miles of um, trails in under the mountain. Because it's a mining town. Okay. And so it's what's there's so much great history. But what's crazy, and you talk about spooky, there's a ghost town yeah. there that you can visit. You can hike. There's hiking trails everywhere, and it's beautiful. But um, they used to, the miners, when they were working on the town or whatever, there would be a lot of accidents. And when they were killed, um, they didn't have money for a proper funeral. So they were thrown, their bodies were cremated into the cement mixers. So the, the town is known for pain, literally paving the road with blood because the paving is from those same ones where they basically oh, cremated the, the, the bodies. So um, I took the kids up there. We went on a ghost tour, like a full house ghost <laughs> I tour. I took like, the kids up there. <laughs> so, <laughs> you just scared the hell out of them. I yeah, we did. We stayed, we stayed in a hotel that used to be a hospital where they guarantee it's haunted and both wait, wait. Sydney and I saw a ghost. Oh, I'm, I'm not kidding you. That night, it is out. insane. But I will tell you, like we went on this ghost tour, and they give you electronics and all this stuff, and then they drop you off at this abandoned high school that's two levels with like holes in the floor, and you're in there alone, and it's pitch black, and you just have like a headlamp, and you're just walking around. It's insane. I highly recommend it. This sounds um, kind of cool. To it be is. Honest it with really you. is cool, and as it goes to our topic today. On, on horrors. For those out there, Jerome, Arizona, during this time of year would be very cool. The, awesome. And you hear the stories and the history, and it's so cool to see. Wow, interesting. All right, well, th- what we're going to do today, guys, is uh, I think we all came to the room with, what, three or four spooky, scary-ass stories that have happened in the backcountry in the last 20 years. So we'll go around the room, tell the story, what, maybe discuss what you would have done if you were in that situation. I think it's fantastic that both you and uh, Bertha Schroeder and Drumboy dressed up for this. You both look, you both look hor- horrifying. So. I'm in, in my costume. Yes, you both. Yeah, I had no idea. I would have. You know, I didn't know that was the theme to dress up like monsters. That's funny. Anyway, guys, the goal is not to scare the listeners. Uh, you know, to be to be statistically correct here, you, you have much more likelihood of having a major incident in the city of Atlanta. 
than you do in the backcountry, so I just want to caveat that. Oh, 100%, but the I thought the goal was to scare the listeners. <laughs> I mean, this is about horrors on hiking, but also what we can do differently, and um, I think once we add music to this podcast and we hear the uh, the spookiness, it'll make it even Listen, more fun. Yeah, you guys are really into the music. I'll have to drop The biggest horror is that the, the person going down into the toilet for the one on the last yeah, episode. Yes, the last episode. That yeah, was pretty spooky. Agreed. Well, guys, uh, who wants to go first? You look ready. Well, I mean, yeah, he's I'm, got notes. Let him cardiac go looks ready I, I to go. Got a to go ready. I um, uh, this one takes place at the tallest volcano in the U.S., Mount Shasta. Oh, I've, oh. Got, I've got a story at Mount Shasta too. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's so interesting. This, this one's Mount Shasta. Mount Shasta is known as Bigfoot country. So there's been a lot of rumors of Bigfoot sightings and stuff. And um, uh, two guys were out. You know, camping, hiking Mount Shasta. They set up the tent. They were having a couple beers, threw some steaks on a grill. And um, one of his buddies who had had a couple beers got up and, and used a log and decided to whack the tree a couple times. And um, the guy sitting down is like, do it again. And he whacks the tree four times. And in the distance, because this is how apparently you, you call big, Bigfoot, right? You call Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah. And they could hear four back. And they were like, they were both like, like what for somebody had hit a tree in the distance and so they hit it again and then they could hear rustling which wasn't like an elk or tree but it was coming closer to them and then they got two more knocks and so they were freaking out and they had no idea what it was and they were just panicking so they went in their tents and zipped up and they got through the night but it was a it was crazy um, you know how that whole thing went down in Mount Shasta did you see. Uh, recently, there were people on a train in Colorado using their cell phone. And honest to God, yep, every freaking Bigfoot video has the shittiest camera you yeah, can use. Yeah, I heard about this that. This was like actually. a flip phone kind of quality right, camera. Right. Who has this kind of bad camera? And then they're like, oh, there's Bigfoot. Yeah, and it's like a. Bl- I saw the picture. Yeah, yeah. that was yeah. recent. That was yeah. in the last month. That's wasn't some yeah. dude. That's why costume. I thought this would, this story would go with that, which is interesting. But I'd love to hear your Mount Shasta story. Well, I was just thinking you teamed me up perfect, so I'll go next. So this actually happened um, around the Mount Shasta area, and then also the Lassen National Forest, which is just south of there, but a, a volcanic area over the years. Um, and if anybody wants to get more details on it, there's a, a YouTuber named Mr. Ballin that uh, basically tells the whole story. Yeah, so, I, I, um, I've watched his In, in fact, that's kind of his shtick. He's got like a <laughs> ton of spooky videos and like an amazing number of followers, right? But um, anyway, so the title of this video, if you're trying to ever find it, it's called Feral People Hunt Teen Hiker. So that's the name of the video. Uh, I, I don't know if that's really the proper title, but that, that's basically the name of the video. So anyway, this happened on the uh, Pacific Crest Trail. And it, it really started, and this is Northern California, in the uh, Lassen National Forest. So uh, it went down in the spring, summer of 2008, so a while ago. Uh, there was a guy named Matt Higgins. He was 18 years old. Uh, he was very inspired by Chris McCandless. He had seen Into the Wild, read the book, and uh, decided that when he graduated from high school, he wanted to go out and explore, kind of like McCandless did. So he uh, basically is out hiking the PCT, and he did not intend to do the whole Pacific Crest Trail. He was just, just going to do California, right? So pull a uh, – uh, oh, who's the woman from Wild? Um, oh. uh, uh, Reese Witherspoon. Yes. Yeah, yeah, pull her kind of trick. Just do California. <laughs> so anyway, he's about 100 miles from the end, and uh, he had hiked, I think, like 20 miles that day, so he was pretty tired. But he uh, saw, as he came around a corner, pretty heavily forested area. 
he sees you guys haven't heard this before i guess right no so he sees comes around a corner there's these two people and they're in like kind of white robes and they're real disheveled uh raggedy dirty and uh they're middle-aged it's a man and a woman right in these white robes so comes around the corner uh you know being neighborly kind of waves at him says hello they don't say a word to him just stare at him and um don't wave back just like no response at all sounds just, like new york city just stare at him yeah <laughs> exactly so uh apparently this guy his name was matt hadn't seen anybody in days so he was kind of taken aback like he hadn't seen anybody and he he would thought they would naturally be more friendly but uh you know he just sort of wrote it off kept hiking he went on he uh hiked until it was almost dark and the trail again was pretty forested so he um had to get off the trail a little bit to find a place to camp so he got off the trail a little bit and found a place to camp and about three hours later he had had his dinner uh it was dark he had hung his food up got in his tent to go to bed so anyway the next morning he wakes up and he um he had not heard anything overnight right he he slept really well didn't hear a thing wakes up he gets out of his tent and his food's gone so he's thinking wow that's pretty strange those two people that i saw must have um been really hungry and needed my food and taken it and he's obviously not happy about it but he figured well hey if they need it more than i do they can have it right and he also notices there's two sets of boot prints all around his camp that are not his. So he's pretty sure it was the people that he had seen earlier that probably took his food. So uh, anyway, he just decides he's going to move on. And so for the next three, four days, he keeps hiking, really doesn't have any major issues. Uh, but he does keep looking over his shoulder, thinking that, man, I wonder if these people are still out there following me. I wonder if they're going to rob me again. And he also starts putting sticks around his tent so that if you know somebody approaches his tent in the dark, that they would you know, step on the sticks, he'd hear them, he'd wake up, and this time he'd be alerted if they were around. So nothing happens for three days, but he keeps looking over his shoulder. And on the fourth night, again, it's pitch black, and he had camped a little ways off the trail. This night, he's woken up in the middle of the night by someone stepping on sticks. <laughs> and so he immediately shoots up, and he's wake, wide awake, and he literally can hear footsteps come all the way up to the tent and he can hear someone had walked basically right next to his tent is literally standing there next to his tent as he's now wide awake scared and he's got his knife i guess he had it bigger than a swiss army knife but some kind of knife with him so as soon as this like whole nightmare kind of starts and he can hear whispering between somebody in the woods and whoever's standing next to the tent right um everything just goes quiet but before it goes quiet, whoever's standing next to the tent basically circles the tent. Like, he can hear him walking around the tent. So um, he lays awake. Everything goes quiet. He didn't say anything? Nothing. And next morning he wakes up. There's boot prints all over the place, but they don't do anything to him. So at this point, he's kind of freaked out. So he, the next morning, hauls ass into town. And um, he basically takes a day off in town, it sounds like. And I'm sure he reloads on food, whatever. And you think probably the story's over, right? It's not. <laughs> so now he's getting closer to Mount Shasta. So from maybe 50 miles from where he initially saw these people, right? And you would think that they'd be long in the dust. Um, but he um, has only got 100 miles to go. And he actually considers bailing. Like he calls his parents and is thinking about bailing. But he's like, man, I only have 100 miles to go. I might as well just finish this California section. So... He takes off, and he's now in the Mount Chasta area where your last story took place. And uh, he gets in an area that's above tree line, so you can see, like, miles in the distance, right? And so he's on the trail, and way off in the distance, he sees these two people in white robes. And it's still daylight, right? And they're coming on the trail. 
And so um, it kind of freaks him out. So he decides he's going to, you know, pick up the pace and, like, just try to put some distance between him and them and then be far enough away from them that they won't be able to track him. And so he's thinking to himself, you know, the first encounter kind of makes sense. Maybe they're just hungry. They just needed food. You know, I'm good with that. Second encounter didn't really make sense, right? Like, you know, they just kind of came into his camp, didn't steal anything. It was almost like they were really terrorizing him. He's like, this third encounter doesn't make sense at all, you know. So um, he's about 25 miles from town by this point, so he's too far to really, and it's too late for him to try to backtrack and and get away or, or even run to the next town, right? So he basically, like I said, picks up his pace and hopes he can kind of get a good distance on him. And about two hours later, it gets dark, and he's like, I got to camp. So, again, he gets off the trail, this time further because he wants to make sure they can't find him. And he goes to sleep, again, with his perimeter of sticks, right? I don't know that I'd be able to sleep, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, this time it gets a little more interesting. Um, again, he's in his tent sleeping. Somebody hits the perimeter of sticks. He hears the noise. He immediately wakes up. And this time he's really freaked out, right? And uh, this time they actually shine a flashlight on his tent, which they hadn't done before. And then they turn it off. And then he hears more whispering. So this time he's somewhere between absolutely panicked and pissed off. So he basically decides that he's just going to confront these people, right? So he gets out of his tent with his knife. And about the time he gets out of the tent from the woods, a dark figure runs at him, right? Um, and so he, you would think, would try to fight back with his knife but he ends up running which probably was the right move and he takes off running in a direction and uh, trips over a log and and falls behind the log with them chasing him and decides he's going to hide so he basically hides under the log God, his heart must have oh yeah totally it. man and and he and they're now they hit their lights and they got their flashlights on and they're looking for him and he can hear him talking but they don't find him so he waits for about two hours until they're gone and then ditches his gear and next morning, he races into town, finds the cops. Uh, he basically um, also is interviewed by the National Forest Service, right? And so he does a full report and all that. And um, basically, he goes home. His parents come and get him, and you know he's 18, right? And so they come and get him, and he goes home. And so maybe a few weeks later, um, you know, he keeps checking back with the cops. Did you find these people? Did you find these people? And they're like, no, but we've had a bunch of thefts and campsites, you know, like kind of like you guys, you had described. And um, to this day, no one was arrested or was uh, was caught. Then this did happen 15 years ago, so it was a long time ago. But the comments under the video, if you go to <laughs> Mr. Bollin's YouTube page, the comments are fascinating because there's a number of locals that had responded and had said, you know, that this sort of activity is not unusual, and um, and that is the. Uh, story, but there's 28,000 comments on this video, and Jeez. the comments are about as interesting as the video. So uh, I will definitely check it out. Yeah, yeah. So, so another I, Mount Shasta story. As a guy that hiked the AT and um, bird shooter, did did you have anything like a hunting knife, a gun, anything on you when you were hiking? I mean, this is a different world now. Maybe it's not a different world, but we have a 24-hour news cycle now than back in '94 and all that stuff. But in a situation like this that you talk about, and I know we had talked about like what we would do, what would you have done in, if you were this guy, um, would you have confronted him the first night or yeah, I guess the first night he didn't know, but the second night, would you have confronted him? Uh, you know, it's so hard to know until you're in that situation, right? You know, and I've got another story that was about me that I'll tell after, after (laughs) you guys go again. Um, and, and, and maybe I'll save the answer for that because it's, it's sort of similar. I actually saved it for next. Okay. 
because it's similar experience that this guy went through. Okay. Now, but, but, but of all the hikers that we see out there in today's gun-friendly world, how many do you think are armed? Or do you think uh, people carry weapons? That's a great question. So if, let me answer your first question. When I threw hiked, I had just a Swiss Army knife. And, I mean, you could use it as defense if you needed to, but, of course, I use it for a million other things. Um, and then I did carry a little thing of mace in uh, in the summer. Yeah, pepper spray or mace. Yeah, and mainly it was not for bear reasons. You know, you're in a lot of these areas, these dogs will run up to you. Yeah. And a lot of them don't have collars. And, you know, you're never sure if they're wild or if we they're— We had dogs in Alabama. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we've, had, we've had those experiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mainly carried the mace for that. But, um, you know, there's only one time I w- ever really felt— Super, super threatened or scared, and I'll, I'll tell that story after you guys go again. Okay. Um, but to answer your other question about guns, very, very few hikers would carry a gun because it's just so heavy. You yeah. Know, it'd be, it's way easier to carry like a little thing of mace or, you know. And to get it out. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. To actually use it for self-defense. Well, I mean, if you're in your tent in this situation, you know, he could have had it yeah. to come out. Yeah. The, the, I think uh, in Montana— <clears throat> They, they they sleep with their guns and stuff, and they carry it hiking just for bear purposes. Oh, for I grizzlies, think. yeah. Right. I see that. Well, Alaska, would I would understand maybe yeah. you would take it. But, you know, the, the camel frequently packs. And um, another friend of mine. Uh, the camel. Uh, <laughs> his uh, trail name is Wagon Hammer, also usually packs. So, you know, I don't usually pack on right. weekend trips, but I've got buddies that do, and Fortunately, we've never needed them. I was just up in East Tennessee having lunch with these guys, and we went to Chili's. A little shout-out to Chili's. Chili's. But, um, <clears throat> but the guy said to me, are you uncomfortable that every one of us at this table has a gun? I said, no. If anything, I'm feeling pretty safe. But every single one, I, you wouldn't know yeah. it. it. It would be like you know, us saying, yeah. hey, we all have guns on us because they all had you know, ankle holsters or whatever. Um, <clears throat> before- is it that dangerous <clears throat> where you went to? I mean, is Chili's – that much yeah, chilies. <laughs> no, no, I, I think it was just oh, way, back, way more dangerous yeah, than the yeah. uh, Pacific Crest. Grill. I know they canceled the baby back ribs, but these guys. Those you know. are the things. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's very dangerous at those places. But um, I will jump in real quick before uh, Drone Boy goes. With uh, we were talking about the AT. Um, do you guys know what the word lash means? I, I do not. No. Lash is a hiking term, so I'm shocked that Virtue doesn't know long ass section hike. Oh, okay. So when people say I, I did a lash of the AT, it's a long ass section wow. hike. New lingo. Yeah, right. I, I like to bring it. knowledge to this. Uh-huh. You got, you know, I, now I can't just both be the beauty and the brawn. <laughs> you know, I'm also the brains. This is shit he's got in his notebook. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> okay, I got one. All right, let's hear it. Uh, well, I, I'll, I'll save my Alabama one. For, for the second one, because that one's a little bit longer. This this one's a nice short one. Um, we all know the Stairway to Heaven in uh, in Hawaii. Uh, I think they're called the Haiku Stairs. In 2015, a hiker took off to section hike. Um, the hike's illegal. It's been illegal since 1987. Uh, the guy's name is Dylan Pua. I think I got this off of Kyle Hates Hiking. It sounds um, like he must be a local, so probably a local. Though. Yeah, he's a, he's a local. He told his grandmother he was going um, uh, to to hike the the haiku stairs, and he would be back. Um, he left. He went missing. Uh, now here's the thing: at 11 a.m., he started texting all of his friends pictures of the hike. Um, then that was the last time anybody ever heard from him was these pictures. Uh, the police searched for him for four days. They called it off. Wow. So they, they knew kind of roughly where he was because they had the photos. They knew he right? was on yeah. the stairs. They knew the pictures, things of that sort. And they um, they just called it off after four days. So after the four days and the police uh, called it off, uh, later weeks his family re- were 
basically shuffling through the photos, looking with a, a, a basically a magnifier glass. Oh, there's a person in it, right? In one photo, oh, there it. is a person, and you can't see the details. But I'll include the link to the YouTube video so you can look at the picture. Um, but it's crazy freaky because you see clearly a person. Were they in a white robe? Uh, no, they weren't. They wanted, yeah, they wanted to know uh, about your car insurance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, your car's wa- extended warranty. But no, um, they, they, it, it, it's creepy. I mean, it, they, they don't know if this person had anything to do with the kid's disappearance. The kid was, I think, 18, 19 years old or something. But the actual photo is scary as fuck because anybody that's been out in Hawaii on one of these hikes knows that they're they're pretty isolated and and the haiku stairs while they're it's it's typically known as the stairway to heaven while it's a fairly frequented hike it is illegal so a lot of people just don't go it there's a back section to this too where you can hike up to the point where the radio towers are at the top uh if uh, on a legal hike but most people just do the illegal hike. You get fined, I think, something like $500. What year was the hike? Do you, do you know? Uh, it was, let's see, 2015. And he's never been found? Never been found. Or no, somebody what, was never found. What island is this again? Uh, I don't know. It's in Hawaii. Well, there's um, multiple islands in Hawaii. Yeah, but it's the stair. <laughs> well, it's the stairway to hell. Stairway to hell. Yeah, we could look it up. That's yeah. cool. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, but. I've always wanted to do that hike. Yeah. Um, I would do that. I would definitely do that. Yeah. I mean, it looks awesome. They've got like rusted out like railings and stuff. It it was basically a hike that was put in place. They built radio towers to um, uh, have U.S. uh, the the U.S. Army and Air Force. It was during the war, right? It was during the war. They built this in the 40s and 50s. And it was to, to have the radio coverage of the entire island constellation there. So. Um, but the army abandoned the radio towers, and by that point, the stairs had become crumbled. Yeah, they fell apart. I th- I've was... actually I've, I've heard about this before. I've read the story. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Well, I didn't realize they never found them, though. They never found them, and and you know it was creepy because the the actual photo, you, and it's one of those things we talked about the 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 bad flip phone like photo of of Bigfoot coming yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking that as you were saying. Kind of what this one is. Yeah, you yeah. can see clearly right. it's probably a person, but yeah. based on the bad quality, it might it might just be the family saying, you know, oh my God, we know something. I mean, most likely the kid fell. Yeah. And he's in vegetation. Yeah. Yeah. That's his, and he's off trail and you're never gonna find him. Yeah. Well, he's gonna decompose. Well two stories that came out this week, I don't know if you guys are following, and it just made me think of what you're saying was one, obviously the sad finality of what happened to natalie holloway oh yeah rubo right where the guy basically tossed her body into the sea into the ocean you know you look oh did he confess to doing that he confessed he confessed in detail what happened really he made sexual advances she said no she he tried again she kicked him in the balls he got pissed Uh knocked her down kicked her in the face and took a cinder block smashed her head and threw her into the ocean wow so he came clean on that yeah the the story is brutal yeah Yeah, he came clean and said it all as part of a plea deal in which he will have concurrent sentences for totaling 48 years oh wow that must have just happened then this this week yes and the other one in the news this week i don't know if you guys saw the guy was hiking in the rain like this guy murdered his pregnant girlfriend over 20 years ago gets arrested escapes from prison over 20 years ago hides in a rainforest in argentina where you know he was hiking and stuff, and then he realized it's been twenty years, and that's the statute of limitations. 
based on the laws. So he comes out, goes to the police station and says, hey, I'm ready to start my life now. And so now, obviously, lawyers are involved trying to see if they can do anything to keep him in prison because this guy basically just escaped, hid till the statute of limitations ran out Jeez. and came out. He was hiding in a rainforest in Argentina. Well, yeah, you know, I was watching a thing recently about um, at the end of World War II, mm-hmm. there was a soldier, and it was on an island in somewhere in like the Philippines. I'm not sure which island, but the villagers kept getting things stolen. <laughs> and so then they would actually see this guy, right? And so they knew there was some mysterious guy living in the woods. Was he a U.S. soldier? He was a Japanese soldier. Okay. But um, apparently um, he was just not convinced that the Japanese had lost, right? And, or he didn't want to leave his post, right? So he hung out there for years. I mean, I'm talking maybe 10 or 20 years yeah. and was basically stealing from the villagers to survive. But um, finally they got one of the Japanese generals to come. And say, hey, man, the war's really over. We really lost. (laughs) You know? And so he left. I don't know what's worse, living in an Argentine uh, rainforest rainforest or prison. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's got to be a struggle living. But but it goes to to like Eric Rudolph, right? How how many years he lived up in Murphy. He was living on the side of a hill, basically. In Murphy, North Carolina. And he was a boy. And they knew where he was. They just couldn't find him because he was just outdoor, you know, training. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, All right, well. I, have you guys ever hiked in Canada? I, I, I assume have. you yeah, have, absolutely. right? Yeah, sure. So this next story takes place. Um, it's called Sleeping Giant in Canada. What what uh, province? I don't know. Oh yeah, so like I'm, you know, something I'm Gary with my. You know if it's here. western or eastern at least. I don't. I'm going to assume it's western based on the story. So this guy goes out alone. It's a solo hike. He, you know, the first night when you set up your tent, you're a little jumpy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can be for sure. Yeah, you're a little jumpy. He's Especially get, if you're alone. Is this guy right. alone? Okay, yeah. yeah, solo hike. That's usually what alone yeah, means. Yeah, that's, that's um, fair. <laughs> I, I know you're new to the hiking world for a shooter. Uh, solo hike means alone. Okay. But, uh, um, but you know, I and and I've only, you know, we all know I, I'm merry out in the woods. is usually where I want to <laughs> sleep. But um, I've slept in tents before, but it is. It's a, it's not the, the, the easiest night's sleep the first night as you get used to noises and stuff and all this stuff. So he sets up a tent, a place called Pebble Beach. Okay. Um, he sets up a tent, you know, below a small slope on Pebble Beach. And, you know, he's, you know, he's trying to get, he's restless and sleeping. And he starts to hear some noises. And then he hears falling rock that's falling down on his tent. Oh. And Are we so, back to Bigfoot? No, no. <laughs> he suddenly hears this crash lands right outside his tent. So he's jumping up, freaked out, doesn't know what it is. Um, he, he said... He got courage to unzip his tent and go see what this was, and he got it was pitch black. He got his flashlight and he saw a clumsy woodland elk that had fallen oh, down. Man, didn't die, but this giant elk fell just next to his tent. Wow, that's crazy! And lucky and then, didn't fall on him, man. Right, that's what I mean. It was just a fluke thing, but yeah, he said it was crazy. And you know those moments in your heart pounding and just the the fear of going back to your story, yeah, um, of hearing people outside your tent, you know. You're sitting there and you're hearing, okay, what could this be? And and this giant elk. But luckily the elk wasn't dead, and because um, I was hoping it would end with him like you know cooking the elk and it'd be like a yeah. uh, like a, a family <laughs> free meal, right? But but uh, the elk was able to walk away. It was just a clumsy elk at the end of the day. Wow, that's it Western, was funny because research, researching all this, you you know you, you find all the animal stories and stuff like that. There was um, the, this one guy. He said, uh, you know, nine times out of ten, I'm an experienced hiker. And you hear a noise, and you look back, and it's just a freaking squirrel. Yeah, or a deer or something. Yeah, you think it's a grizzly, but it's just a squirrel. This guy, 
wound up turning around and seeing a mountain lion. Oh, yeah. He actually wound up choking out the mountain lion. Oh, I heard about that. fight. That was recent. Yeah, he That did. was really – and he had it all on video. Didn't he have he like a body cam? ultra run. Oh, that's what it was. Um, and, yeah, he, I think it's on Kyle Hayes hiking as yeah. well or something. But he had video of the attack uh, basically, didn't um, he? I don't think this one was the video one. I know the one that you're talking about oh, okay. in California. This I one you. I think was out in Colorado. Okay. Um, but essentially the mountain lion had his, uh, his wrist in yeah, his mouth. Yeah, his mouth, yeah. And he was able to get his foot on the uh, mountain lion's throat, and he said his adrenaline just took over, and he didn't even know how long he had choked the. But he, once he felt his wrist yeah. kind of go out, I think he still had about 10, 15 miles to run in order to get back to, like, quote unquote, civilization. Some other runners had helped him. Right. But he had to walk with pretty severe. Um, you know, mountain lion bites yeah, and yeah. lacerations on his leg. That, that's not that uncommon. The mountain bikers are the ones that seem to get it the most, you know, because yeah. they're moving through an area very quickly. And yeah, the, the um, mountain lions. The yeah, but but every story about an animal story is, you turn around and you think it's a squirrel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you're teeing me up perfect. All right, here you go. Well, so, real quick, did you guys see? This reminded me of the story of the Kevin Hart Mark Wahlberg movie that called Me Time. Uh-uh. On uh, Netflix, no. there's a scene in that movie that I think is oh, hilarious. I think I saw that one. Yeah. yeah, it's on Netflix. It's, it's it's got some funny parts on it, but it's about a, you know Mark Wahlberg and his birthday celebrations and Kevin Hart trying to get he's like a house husband and it's very funny. But they go in this out to this desert to do these hikes and Kevin Hart goes into the mountains to go number two, you know, privately dig a hole and stuff. And suddenly a mountain lion comes out of nowhere. So he's scared to death and he's trying to run. <laughs> but the the scene in that movie, when he thinks that he's, he's screaming for help and they're all watching this mountain lion comes jumping out of nowhere, <laughs> knocks him down and he has to wrestle with it. Just reminds me of that story that, that uh drone boy just told. Yeah. Me. It seems like it's happening more and more frequently though, is, is, you know, people are building houses up in the mountains and um, anyway, especially out west. We're encroaching on, you know, their, their turf. Yeah. So. All right, so guys, this is actually a true story, and it's it's a follow up kind of to my last story. So um, um, yeah, just it's true. Yeah, but I would also say that all my stories were true too. <laughs> well, I mean, true like I'm involved. Oh, this is a personal. Yeah, personal story. story. Yes. Actually, not true. personal experience. Personal. Yes, correct. Right. correct. Nothing else. We've not said anything false. Yeah, portions wanna, of yeah. this story have not been, been embellished. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> it doesn't necessarily involve people with white robes, but uh, it's similar. So uh, when I was through hiking in 1994, I don't know. If, I guess I've never told you the laid back Sioux story, have I? No. Uh, that doesn't sound familiar. No. Okay. I told it around a campfire last night because my wife and I were at some friend's house and we had a fire going. I'm like, man, we're doing a podcast tomorrow. I might as well test these stories out. But, you know, I told it last it's night. It's like a comedian going to do like his <laughs> yeah. material prior yeah, to a, a Netflix special. Yeah. 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 There's nothing really funny. But, well, I guess there is something funny about this. Um, anyway, so um, when I was through hiking in 94, um, there's a uh, if you guys have ever been on Inter- Interstate 70 and gone through Maryland, um, the Appalachian Trail. There's a bridge that goes over Inter- yep. Interstate 70, so you're basically right on the Pennsylvania kind of Maryland border, right there. It even says it on the bridge. Yeah, it probably does it for does. sure. Um, and I can't remember the name of the town. There's like a very very small town right there. But um, uh, the night before, I had met this girl named Sue, and her trail name was laid back Sue. I, I really did not. Your know wife her. was okay with this story. <laughs> yeah, about, about I didn't even know my wife back then. Actually. Oh, okay. But uh, didn't didn't know this girl very well at all. But it just turned out that we were kind of on the same pace hiking, right? And so um, we're within a very short distance of each other, and we both go across the interstate and reach the road about the same time. And so um, uh, I, I looked at her. I was like, "Hey, I gotta walk down to the camp store here and get some food. I'm almost I'm almost out of dinners and stuff." I was like, "You know, you want to go, or are you gonna keep hiking?" And she's like, "Yeah, I'll go with you." And so it's like, "Cool." So we get down to this little state park. It's got a little camp store. 
and it's like 5:15, 5:20. They had just closed, right? So they're closed. So I can't buy any food there. So I'm like, oh dang, I missed it, you know. So we're walking back up to the trail, and we kind of got to go up a hill. And as we go up a hill, we get close to the interstate again, and we're walking a road to get back to the trail. And there's a uh, a bar, and it's called the Dog Patch Inn, right? And so I whip my little book open, and I look at it, and uh, I basically uh, it basically said in the hike, hiking book, and this was in the 90s, you know, uh, biker bar, right? Use caution, and that's pretty much all it said, right? Is this like the Thomas Guide of the Appalachian Trail? Uh, yeah, it's really good. It's, <laughs> yeah, it it was actually uh, yeah. yeah, it was written by uh, uh, Dan Bruce. His trail name was Wingfoot back in the '90s, but um, it's since there's something similar, but it's a different guide but book. Th- now. I mean, that's great that somebody takes the time to go through and write that. So yeah, you see yeah. Biker Bar. You're well. This yeah, is pre Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah exactly, uh, exactly. So anyway, because of the warning, I, I basically um, said, "Hey Sue, let me just go in and see if they have any food." Because they had like a little marquee out front, and it said. Um, steak dinner or shrimp dinner 10 bucks or something this is prior so to they're inviting trucks. people in <laughs> yeah they were so i was like you know let me see if this is you know if they if they've got the shrimp dinner going maybe it's no chilies. yeah yeah so but i'm hungry and i this was gonna buy me some time and so it's just trip. you and sue hiking together now yeah it's just two of us so i go in there's a dude behind the bar with a ponytail and um anyway i, I, I walk up i was like hey i see you got a shrimp dinner for 10 bucks and he's like <laughs> I'll you, give you eight. He, he kind of like just sort of laughs. And I'm like, uh, you take credit cards? He's like, no. <laughs> and so I, I just I just was getting a vibe from him that, you know, like get the hell out of here, you know? So I, I left. And I'm standing outside, and she's kind of asking me. Sue's like, well, what happened? And I, you know, basically retold what I told you guys. And uh, about the time we were getting ready to leave, this guy, John, comes out. The guy with the ponytail? Yeah, the guy with the ponytail. And uh, so he's like, hey, you guys hungry? And we kind of look at each other. We're like, yeah. He's like, get your ass in here. So we go in, and we sit up at the bar. And um, he, like, goes and grabs a beer and throws us a beer, you know. And he's like, I got a couple pizzas, like little frozen pizzas in the back, little minis. I'll throw them in the toaster oven. I'll hook you up. That's great. So I was like, awesome. I was like, hey, man, I only have, like, 10 bucks, um, you know. Um, and a, so, and a yeah, credit card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and you don't take credit. And he's like, don't worry about it. You know, he's like, it's fine. And so anyway, we eat our pizza. It's really good. We drink our beer and uh, he pours us another one. And I was like, hey, man, I only got 10 bucks, you know, and Sue didn't have any money either. Or maybe she had traveler's checks or something, maybe credit cards. I don't know. But we didn't have any way to pay him. He's like, shut up about your money. It's on me. And by the way, here, here's a trail journal. Why don't you read in this trail journal all these hikers that come through here? You know, that guy that writes your your guidebook, you know, he felt insulted, right, that, that he was – Said, be at your own risk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He felt insulted, and so he's like, I, you know, I'm a good dude. Here's this journal book, right? And, um, you know, essentially, um, I'm way cooler than your guidebook guys give me credit for. He's trying to win you over. Right. Oh, yeah, totally. So anyway, I mean, we're reading through here. It's like, man, John, you're the greatest. You know, had an awesome time at your bar or whatever. Now, it's just me and Sue, and there's like one other biker dude there. It's, you know, only 5 o'clock, so it's pretty early. And... uh so the beers keep coming, and I keep telling him I only got 10 bucks, and he keeps saying, shut your mouth, drink your beer, you know. And so uh, I, I must stand there and said, you know, I'll send you some money or what, and I think I did later anyway. Real quick, how many times did you go to the bathroom while you are sitting at the Oh, yeah, probably, yeah, 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 bladder. For, anyone, for anyone that knows him, yeah. A lot, a lot, <laughs> yeah. So the, the dude turned out to be really cool, and then a bunch of bikers start showing up, and they're all playing pool with Sue, and so nine beers later, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's like 9.30, almost 10 o'clock. It's like, man, dude, we got to go, you know, like. 
And uh, the dude's super cool. Like, all the bikers are super cool. Everything's good. And um, so uh, so it, it's just, we got to go, man. It's, you know, it's 930, right? And uh, so we're getting ready to go. And, you know, the only thing that was weird the whole time we were there is he put some porn on the TV. I'm like, oh, dude, really? You want to put porn on the TV? You got a, you know, Jesus. a girl here, right? That was right. the only thing that was weird. Everything That's else creepy. was super cool. But um, so anyway. Uh, the only negative thing in your review. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and by the way. This was the '90s, so it's not like today where you could, you yeah, know, pull this up wasn't your phone. Digital. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. a pre-thought. Like, hey, let's plan this to have yeah. porn available. That was VCR, yeah, yeah. by the way. Yeah, yeah exactly, a VHS tape. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, so the next thing that happens is uh, we're getting ready to go, and he's like, "Hey, before you leave, wait a minute." And so he goes in the back, comes out. He's got this bag of ice. He puts two bottles of beer in it and puts two Snickers in it. He's like, "Take us up to the trail shelter." You guys have a good hike, right? So we were like, oh, man, you know, John, you're the best. You know, thank you so much. So we take off. And uh, also, here's a penthouse forum. <laughs> for your <laughs> reason, pleasure. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so anyway, we take off, and uh, we go to the shelter. And um, uh, I, I lit a little candle right in front of the shelter. So the shelter's probably, I don't know, back, you know, I don't know if the shelter's even still there. But it's it was probably maybe maybe a 10-minute walk from the road. It's, like, really close to the road. Oh, so it wasn't too far from the bar? No, not at all. And, um... Was there any bailouts in the shelter? Uh, nobody was there. Just you, Sue, just Sue and a I, candle, yeah. two beers, yeah, and some yeah. Snickers. It sounds real romantic. <laughs> it really it? does. Yeah, but in, and a penthouse for them. <laughs> yeah, that's By the way, in those shelters, is there running water? Like, could you guys shower and stuff there? No, or no? no, they're usually like just a spring or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, but the shelters are basically a lean-to, right? They're open in the front. Yeah, and then they're, I, there's they're a lean-to. This I one's saw the one in t- off of the Taconic on the AT that you yeah, stayed at. Yeah, they're not very big. This one probably would sleep like seven or eight people. It's pretty small, and that'd be shoulder to shoulder, right? Now, is there any mattresses and stuff in no, there? No, it's just a wooden floor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, so I have we have a little candle burning. We're finishing our Snickers and our beer, and um, sitting on a picnic table that was in front of there. You must have been hammered, dude. If you're talking <laughs> the tenth <laughs> beer, this well, that might play into the story a little. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, like the tin roof, right? You got a tin roof. All of a sudden, this big, like, just bam on top of the roof, you know, and so. My first thought is like, okay, well, something fell off the tree, tree like branch. a big limb, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I, I basically walk around. I'm looking for the limb. There's no limb on the roof. There's no limb around the side. I don't see like any giant hickory nuts or anything. And I was like, what the hell was that, you know? And so then I kind of come back around the shelter, and I go, Sue's sitting there, and the candle's still burning. And so we're just sort of trying to figure out what the hell just happened. And we're sitting there on the picnic bench just kind of confused. And then all of a sudden, another just bam, like, you know, another huge slam on the roof. And it's like, what the hell, man? And so at that point, I'm like, all right, I blow the candle out because I, I don't really still don't know what's going on. And um, blow the candle out, and we're having a conversation with very low voices trying to figure out, like, what's going on. And as we're talking, like, another bam, and um, Sue grabs my arm, right? Like, this is really weird. This is really scary. Hold me. Hold yeah, me. Yeah. And, and as I'm, like, sort of still trying to analyze the situation another just huge like bam on top of the roof you know and it's like we're under attack or something and so she's just like i, I don't care let's we're leaving I'm, I'm i'm leaving you can stay if you want but i'm leaving right so um i was like all right well i guess we're leaving so um i, I and actually and you're three sheets to the wind now. Yeah, yeah yeah pretty much so I, I basically go to start to get my gear and she's like no we're leaving our gear we're leaving now you know like i was like okay you know let's do it so 
Was, the she, only... was she buzzed at this time, too, from the alcohol? Well, she had had a fair number of beers, too, yeah. But um, anyway, so... Sue can put them down. <laughs> so, but, but as we're sitting there, you can hear people moving around in the woods, right? Like, you can actually hear people moving around in the woods. So that was pretty freaky. And it was really dark. You couldn't see anything. And we decided that we were going to not turn our headlamps on because we didn't want them to see us. And that we would not follow the trail because we didn't want to run into them on the trail. Right. So we basically kind of cut down to the road through the woods and... Um, basically made our way back down to the campground and called for a ranger and so a ranger came and it's pretty late by now man it's like and one your in the stuff's morning still back up there. stuff still up there it's like one in the morning at least probably so the ranger's like yeah you know i've been having a lot of trouble with high school kids up there partying and he's like i just confiscated a big machete last week and he's like Jesus. you know he's like it's you know <clears throat> basically he's like i'll tell you what we'll go up we'll get your stuff i'll take all the license plate numbers down from the uh cars in the parking lot and we'll i'll check see if any of the hoods are warm to see if you know there's anything going on and um you guys you guys can either get your stuff and come down with me or you can go back and stay at the shelter whatever you want to do so he goes up with us we get all our stuff um, if you go with him is he gonna take you he's gonna take us down the campground and we're just gonna camp and okay. that's what we ended up doing. Okay. Yeah, we got we got there and got our stuff. He's like, "You guys want to stay?" We're like, "We'll go with you." <laughs> so anyway, we get down. It's by the time we put our tents up and finally go to sleep, it's like three in the morning, you know, because we had to go up there and get the stuff. And so um, next morning, the ranger's super cool. He drives us back up there. But um, so you know, I'm still trying to analyze what the hell happened. Right? Did we get followed in here? You know, was it high school kids? Did the the some of the bikers come to kick our ass? Yeah. You know, like so. Here's the punchline. We're hiking that day, and as you guys can imagine, if, if you can kind of envision this, like the shelter sits down this little hollow, and then the trail kind of goes up the hill, and then it comes on top of a little ridge, and then you're looking down on the shelter. Right. So, like, right above the shelter was basically the trail, and there was a campsite there. Uh, and in the campsite, there were a bunch of these uh, young boys, probably scouts, that were camping there. And so I'm, I'm certain that they were, like, getting probably hickory nuts or something, right? And sitting up there pinging the shelter, and that was what I think happened, actually. Did you confront them when you saw them up there? No, I just felt so stupid after the whole <laughs> night that uh, I just kind of shook my head and laughed, and uh, <laughs> and we kept going. So do you still keep in touch with Sue? Uh, I haven't talked to her for quite a while. I did Quite actually, a while being like 20 years? Oh, yeah, it's probably been close to that. Um, I did actually see her a couple years after the trail. Uh, I was going through Mass one time, and but I have totally lost contact with oh, her. Was yeah. she in Massachusetts? She was living there at one time, yeah, but I don't know. But with today's social media and that stuff, you never wanted to. I, you know, that's not a bad idea. I mean, I should actually send this podcast to her. And yeah, I think that'd be compare great. Compare notes the story. with her. Yeah, you know? she'd be like, "Well, you were a lightweight. You had two beers." <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. How? How? Uh, and the funny. guy's name yeah, was no, Joe, should... not John. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Right. Yeah, probably. Anyway, well, drone boy, back to you, my man. Okay, so I got one that I think it's Alabama. Yeah, it's Northern Alabama. And, and it's another YouTube video. I transcribed it. So I'm just going to read it because I, I think it's done really well. This um, comes to you from Hooked on Phonics? Yeah, I yeah, know. <laughs> uh, the, the guy says, I had to get my brother to help uh, recount this story as I was 12 at the time. This happened about six years ago. When I was 12, my brother was 26. My brother has been serving in the U.S. Army for several years when this happened, was deployed to the Middle East. On his second deployment, if I remember correctly, something to also note that he was at Green Beret and had recently, three or four months prior to this trip, completed the special our Army Special Forces Qualification Course and by then was an active duty SF uh, engineer sergeant 
definitely not someone you want to mess with. Uh, given that we both grew up in the pa passion for the outdoors, he thought it would be nice to take me on a backpacking trip in northern Alabama. The trip had gone smoothly up until the third night when we were camping out around 8 p.m. We had our camp set up, eating dinner, and we were sitting by the fire talking about typical stuff. For some reference, our spot was about 50 yards from the large stream, about 50 yards downhill, adjacent to the large path, our camp, the stream, uh, and the path formed a triangle of sorts. This was summertime in Alabama, so it wasn't quite dark yet uh, when two guys who looked to be in their late 20s wandered up and asked if we had seen any hogs while they, hogs while they were hiking around. Given that this was rural Alabama, we actually had seen some further into the wilderness area and then told them even though they were relatively polite, I got a serious creep, uh, creep vibe from the dirty clothes, greasy hair, and scraggly facial hair. I think they probably looked like they belonged in the movie Deliverance. They were kind of hung out for a few minutes, maybe a little longer than they should have, uh, just around looking around, asking us questions like, how long have you been out? Uh, how long were you staying? And what what looked like to them like sizing up? Uh, and we abruptly said goodbye and walked away. I didn't necessarily feel threatened by them, and I know for sure my brother didn't. But I still felt uneasy about the whole thing. Fast forward three or four hours, my brother and I had gone to sleep. Kind of same thing. They're sitting around their tent. My brother had gone to sleep and we were nestled in our tent, uh, which was creepy that him and his brother were nestled <laughs> in their tent. When it woke up to the sound of multiple dogs barking. I've always been a heavy sleeper and they were sounded like they were about 100 yards away. My heart immediately started pounding and I kicked my brother through the sleeping bag and I asked him if he was awake and had heard the dogs. He responded, I'm awake. They've been getting closer for the past hour, so just lay still and don't make any sounds. Needless to say, 12-year-old me was extremely scared. Uh, we would also hear sporadic shouts from several different sources, but neither came any closes, uh, closer. A few minutes later, my brother whispered, they're just hunting for hogs. They use the dogs to pin them down when they shoot them. Yeah, right. This gave me some release, but not much. Somehow, I managed to fall back asleep. The fact that they were doing this at night was a huge red flag for my brother. My brother later told me, uh, I think he was just trying to keep me calm. Fast forward to about another three hours later. It's now 2 a.m. I had managed to sleep pretty well after the first fearing hog hunters when I woke up to my brother squeezing my shoulder, saying, uh, wake up, put your shoes on quickly. Follow me as quietly as you can. My heart started pounding, went back to racing. Uh, because I had heard the dog voices in the distance further away before, but still uh, distinct, not asking any questions. I did what he said. As soon as we were out of the tent, he told me to get on his back. We snuck back about 50 yards into the woods towards the junction of the path in the stream and crawled into some bushes. It was uphill. Uh, it was an uphill hike, so we had some pretty good elevated view of our campsite. I remember as we were laying there how loudly I was breathing and how quiet he was when I heard the very distinct sound of a pistol slide racking. I looked over and my brother had his pistol and was watching the campsite and surrounding area. I started to whisper to him when he put his hand over my mouth and pointed at the campsite. The group of hunters had steadily been approaching our camp and by this 30 minutes or so had finally arrived there, four or five of them. Uh, there were three or four dogs. They all looked relatively long, young. But two either had rifles or shotguns, and the dogs were going crazy, having sm smelled our scent. For those of you who aren't backpackers or campers, nobody who can't comes up on your random camp in the middle of the night with dogs and guns has good intentions. I knew my brother obviously knew this too. 
I was beyond scared. I couldn't make out what they were saying, but my brother later told me they were talking about us, although he hadn't heard any specifics. Either they lingered for about 20 minutes shining flashlights around and talking themselves to themselves, and my brother put his mouth up to my ear and said, if they come towards you, I want you to turn around, run as quick as you can, and don't, don't stop, don't look back, stay off the trail, look for some flashing lights. I didn't know what he meant by this, and I nodded my head. I knew I could make it back because he had taught me the, the land navigation pretty well. He had handed me a flashlight and told me to take the red filter off so they couldn't uh, find him with the night vision goggles. Um, I, I knew I could handle myself. We laid there for a little while longer, went out, out of nowhere. Uh, they started screaming like they wanted to, to find us and firing the, their guns into the woods. At random, my brother dragged me behind the crest of a hill, threw himself on top of me. Thankfully, due to the position we were on top of the hill, we were protected by gunfire. Uh, they shot maybe five or six more times, and they started walking back in our direction. They got maybe 100 yards away when I heard a blaring siren and saw emergency lights flashing through the woods. The woods. It turns out my brother had called the Forest Service uh, on a satellite phone my family has for emergencies while I was asleep, and they sent out Forest Service officers and game wardens to the area of the wilderness. The Sipsi Wilderness yep. is about 25,000 acres in size, so it took them a while to find us and get on the dirt roads. When we saw the game warden truck, my brother signaled them with the light and pointed them in the direction the hunters had gone. The guy sped off, shining his spotlight through the woods. As soon as they were all gone, we went back to the camp, packed up our stuff, and waited for the path for the game warden uh, to come back. They, they gave us a ride in the truck bed and, uh, to the main staging area. On the drive back, my brother told me how brave I was and what we would talk about with our parents the next day if we wanted to. I asked him not to do, uh, not to tell my parents because I thought they might never let me go camping again. You know, man, I actually had a similar experience, honestly. And it's that's uh, creepy as fuck. I yeah. mean, in the middle of the night. So this happened in. Uh, you guys have met, uh, I think, uh, the Ox, right? Uh, Snyder, maybe on a trip, maybe I don't know. But anyway, he and I were camping in North Georgia uh, near Vogel State Park, near Neal's Gap, mm -hmm. on the uh, Coosa Backcountry Trail. I love that Bay Area. And we had camped. Uh, we'd hiked about six miles, six seven miles, and it's that that Coosa Backcountry Trail is tough. I mean, there's a lot of up and down. It's kind of a roller coaster. It's I a rough. We did that with Shane. Rough thirteen miles. Yeah, but it, about halfway through though, there's a really nice campsite with a spring near it, and it's right on a forest road. So it was a natural place for us to camp, which we did. But we had a similar experience in the sense that we had gone to, we'd had a fire, we'd had dinner. It was maybe eleven o'clock. Went to sleep. We were actually sharing a tent back in those days, and uh, a pickup truck pulled in, basically right near us, and parked. And the lights were on our tent actually, so we thought for sure that they were going to mess with us, right? So we'd gotten our knives out and everything. But um, how long ago was that? This was uh, late nineties, like ninety eight, ninety nine. Okay. Uh, so we're laying there in the tent thinking that we're about to rumble and, um, they get out of the truck. They kind of walk right by our tent. We can hear dogs barking, just like you're talking about dogs going crazy. They're off in the distance and, um, they, uh, we hear them walk right past our tent, walk down kind of in the ravine where the dogs were. We hear some gunshots, right? And then they come back, they get in their truck and leave. And we later found out they were coon hunters. They were just out there coon hunting, never messed with us or anything. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's spooky when that it's happens, spooky. man. <laughs> totally. Well, totally. yeah, and, and, and the, 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 the guy tells it much better on the YouTube story than I did. But, 
I mean, uh, there were some disturbing moments, though. The point that he was laying on top of his brother, they were cuddling. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was yeah. Alabama. <laughs> I mean, that's, was, that's what freaked out the I know. Yeah, that, that was the most. scariest part. Cardiac was a little bit, uh, yeah. yeah. But kidding. we've been in Alabama before, and there was a story um, out by Chahia State Park uh, where two, uh, 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 I guess it's two younger kids. They were like 19, 20 years old or something. Uh, it was boyfriend and girlfriend. And somebody, there, it's well known that there's kind of um, people, you know, preppers who get just are out in the woods living. Yeah. Uh, and I guess this guy walked up to these two with a gun, and the guy of the girl and the guy was actually carrying a gun as well, and they got into like kind of a shootout because um, this guy wanted to rob them. Yeah. So the the I think the that guy, was recent too. Yeah, the guy wound up dying. What state um, is this? Alabama. This Alabama. Oh, Alabama. 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 <clears throat> State Park. Really? Yeah. Wow. The highest point in Alabama. Okay. Was it Chihi or was it Dugan, the Duger Wilderness? That's north, northern Alabama. Yeah, I thought it was so. Chia. It might one of the, one yeah, or the I was other. Pretty sure it was Chia. But it, wow. it, either way, I mean, we go out to Alabama, and it's that's where we've run into dogs. That's where mm-hmm. we've run into like creepy people. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, it's it's crazy. You know, when I was going through these stories, I, I know you have a huge following, uh, bird shooter, and I wanted to look at more international. So you'll notice that my stories have gone from California to Canada. Okay. And this next story is hiking the Great Dividing Range in Australia. The Great Divide, okay. Yeah, the Great Dividing Range Australia. in Australia. So, um, you know, they're, they're the opposite of us. So I, I went to Australia in December of 2015, which is summer for Australia. Yep, right. Um, so this is during summer. Okay. So November, December time frame. And, but it was gorgeous. So I'm going to assume it's closer to October, November. Okay. Um, and they, they decided, hey, no tents. But they had brought uh, tent flies. Do you know what that is? A tent fly? Yeah. Yeah, you're basically – it's just like a tarp, you know? Yeah, because yeah. So they, they were they were just going to sleep under the stars yeah. um, in case it rained. They brought the tent flies yeah. just in case it rained. It didn't. It was a gorgeous night. You know, they were sleeping, you know, soundly. It was gorgeous. And suddenly um, the, the one person felt something crawling on their face. Okay. And, you know, he moved it off and then started feeling it all over the place. He wakes up, looks at himself, looks at everybody else. They had been infested with these fuzzy, hairy caterpillars. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think they were covered in them. He used to say they barely slept the night. They were freaked out. They were going nuts. Um, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have had these stories. I mean, bugs are big. Like when um, my dad went back to Vietnam to look for POWs in 1995, and he was going to bring me, but because of my uh, lack of um, culinary, madness, culinary and madness. What so, are we talking about? Because my father's like, I'm not sure you could sleep in a mosquito net, and uh, <laughs> and like they would have these giant lizards like crawl over them, but they were in these nets to to protect them from that. So I mean, there's a lot of things out there during hiking and stuff, and I'm sure you guys have had bug problems. I know I've had gnat problems and stuff, but I'd be freaked out if I had. But like he. The, there was thousands of caterpillars. Yeah, like they I, just... I mean, that's where you'd like to have a tent, right? Like yeah. they were kicking themselves on yeah, that one. Definitely. Wow. Okay. All right. I think the worst bug problem I had was the chiggers. Uh, chiggers are chiggers not are no hard. fun, man. Yeah. yeah. That was bad. Yeah. That's not good. Uh, so I'll go next. This is a, this is a case that actually happened recently. And you guys might've heard this actually. Um, it was featured in backpacker magazine. It was also, uh, I think Kyle Hates Hiking did a whole story on this guy, but his trail name was Bismarck. His real name was James Hams. And um, essentially the the message here and why this is a little scary is the AT is a great place to hide, right? <laughs> so um, this is one of the most infamous cases of, of all time, I think, on the Appalachian Trail with you know somebody uh, using the trail to 
disappear, basically. But um, so for six years, this guy James Hams hit out on the AT. It's one of the craziest stories in AT history. But um, he worked for a family Pepsi distributor, uh, like a bottling distributor. He was in Cincinnati, if I remember. Yes, correctly. correct. That's yeah. right. Right. And this happened. Uh, really, things came to a head in February of 2009. The employer sort of was kind of getting wise to so there was some accounting issues and. Um, they stole over a million, 1.2 million or something? He embezzled $8.7 million. <laughs> <laughs> and he did it over a long period of time. Like, it was almost 10 years. It was like 1998 to 2009. But the employer was sort of waking up to the idea. The FBI was on him. I guess even the IRS was uh, getting suspicious for tax reasons. So everything was kind of closing in on him. And um, essentially, he... Uh, decided he was going to disappear, and he did. And so he went to the Appalachian Trail, adopted the trail name Bismarck, and um, essentially, by all accounts, like was a really friendly dude. A lot of people really liked him. Yeah, he um, made a lot of friends in some yeah, of small town. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess there was a couple hikers that had had really a bad time in the 100-mile wilderness, and he really helped them out. And so most people had spoken very, very highly of him that had met him on the trail. And, you know, over the course of six years, he got to know a lot of different people. But um, what's interesting is in... 2012, American Greed ran a episode on him, and um, God, American Greed has been on that long. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I saw that episode, and also Dateline did. One yeah, as well. yeah, Dateline did too. But uh, what's interesting is it ran in 2012, but nobody recognized him on the trail for two years, and well, then he looked completely different. I think yeah, he, he did, well, he had a big beard, beard and his yeah. hair had grayed, and it was, he had yeah. it long and everything. But uh, he had met somebody in 2014 that he was through hiking and had spent some time with on the trail and i guess this 2014 through hiker got off the trail at the end of the year and went home and was watching tv and a rerun of the show <laughs> came on and he's like i know that guy and he's going to be at trail days where you and i went i love trail days. yeah trail days is the best he's going to be at trail days this year and he's staying in this bed and breakfast i just talked to him right so the um basically the feds uh without incident arrest him and um wait the feds went to trail days yeah 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 they got him at the bed and breakfast they could arrest half the people at trail days yeah, probably yeah, well, probably for different reasons <laughs> yeah but uh any, anyway he pled guilty he, he uh, got eight years for embezzling uh almost nine million dollars and um what is actually really interesting is the fbi was able to recover most of the money he didn't really spend a lot you know, he spent, I mean, you know, you could do a lot with a million. He was but, generous to some people on the trail from what I read. Too. Yeah. I mean, they were able to recover most of the money. But um, so uh, anyway, just it's just interesting that you can um, just disappear like that. And when I was through hiking in 94, another true personal account, we were in a uh, town called Monson and I was staying at a hostel there. And we had done a couple days there because we were resting up before we went through the 100-mile wilderness, right? And um there was a guy, super clean cut, really, really well-spoken, seemed very intelligent, definitely not, I mean, obviously not a thru-hiker. He, he was claiming he was out there doing some sections, right? And um, just seemed out of place. Didn't seem like, he seemed like a very smart person, but what was weird was he was going around to everybody because he needed some gear, and he wanted to use someone's credit card because he didn't have a credit card, right? And uh, the guy that ran the hostel was so suspicious that he got his video camera out when we were eating and was to film everybody just so he had video evidence of this guy because this was kind of pre when everybody had cell phones to take pictures. Right. And, um, you know, I just always wondered, like, what that dude was hiding from, right? But, you know, the AT is a great, great place to hide. You know, the one thing that's a little sad about this Bismarck story, though, he did have a daughter, right? So when he disappeared, I mean, he pretty much abandoned her. Daughter. 
Um, and then his wife had mysteriously died uh, a few years earlier in 2003 in a house fire, and he was not home. He was running when the fire happened, and she right. mysteriously died there. So there's some other interesting uh, things uh, around that story. But um, I just think it's interesting, right? Kind of scary that you could disappear yeah. on the AT for well, six years. The one story we haven't brought up today, and, and you're definitely familiar with it, is the Meredith Emerson story. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. On Blood Mountain. You know, and Gary, I can't remember her last name, but he ended up murdering her. You know, she goes for a solo hike. What's crazy about that is um, I played softball at Blackburn Park a lot. Oh, yeah. And That's where they caught him, right? They caught him at the Chevron station that had a car wash, and he was cleaning his car out, and they got him there. But, yeah, up on Blood Mountain, he he – she, either she was with a dog or he had a dog and they were they had a conversation and something went wrong and he he murdered her yeah well he basically uh kidnapped her and then he kept her alive for like three days oh he did yeah in the woods oh, that's crazy in the but, woods yeah yeah and, i love blood mountain yeah and it, it's nuts i mean they, these are trails that we've gone on and yeah. then obviously on a lighter note um have both of you seen cocaine bear <laughs> yeah, i was just thinking that when you said i, have not I thought cocaine. it was awesome oh my gosh, I heard it's so funny no, oh my god twice. it's it's incredible i've seen it twice i've watched it twice too oh it's, it's first awesome. of all it takes place at blood mountain so they show the all the blood mountain they show the trail so I, it's worth seeing it from that standpoint but dude there's some hilarious i heard in it. it's literally the worst movie ever that you can't make it five minutes into it oh when oh my god did you recently talk to nancy pelosi like why would why would that be horrible it's so good man it's hilarious you know it wasn't filmed in, in in America, right? Oh, I didn't know that. No, I thought that really, but that they, they filmed some of it. In it wasn't Georgia. filmed here. Uh-uh. That, None that, of it was filmed in Georgia. They filmed it all overseas. Well, they may have had some scenes, but yeah, because they show the I mean, they show the Blood Mountain Trailhead. Well, that's not really the Blood Mountain Trailhead. Yeah, like there is no real like. There's no that doesn't exist. Oh. What they showed you, yeah. Oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, but um, so you guys know that's based on a true story, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah I don't. Do you know the whole story? I, I don't know. I, mean, I know, Mister. Who I don't know who told you yeah, which no, one of no, your. Listen, I'll watch it. I'll watch it. But, but I've heard it's literally the worst movie. No, you and Maya would love people. it. I, I don't know who said that. It is. It is what you expect. It's very funny, it's, but it's a true story. It's super gorgeous. and it's so true. The guy literally jumps out of a plane, bangs his head, dies, and you're spoiling it for me now. You get that's the well. First that's five how. Seconds. Yeah, it's, it's the first five seconds. <laughs> yeah. But then he's dumping cocaine out as he's flying over North Georgia because he's on his way to somewhere in Tennessee, right? And yeah. The feds are on him. They're they're tailing him in a plane. Yeah, they got him in pigeon. Fl- they I'll found his body. It. Like yeah, pigeon. Yeah. I I heard it was it, literally put. It's together free. In like I know. Twenty minutes. Like the movie was. Dude, written. it's got a great cast though. What Elizabeth yeah. Banks really like produced? Ray Liotta's in it. Yeah, it's got yeah. a great cast. It does. Well, Elizabeth Banks produced it. Yeah. And then who's the the heroine in there uh, from the the teeny bopper oh, movies? Oh yes. Oh my uh, gosh. I can't think of her name. Is it Tiffany Thiessen? No, no, no. no, um, no. She had a TV show. She always played like a wholesome. Uh, yeah, she was like a nurse or something. Yeah, um, I can't. Isn't Ray Liotta dead? Yeah, yeah. He okay. died. This like, was his last. This movie. was his this last, was his last movie. movie. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And he looks like he's dead in this movie. Wow. This is all like on topic for Halloween stuff, isn't it? It is. I, I mean, yeah. that, that that. I mean, I, I literally. Carrie Russell. So Carrie yeah, Russell is the heroine. Yeah, yeah. Jesse Tyler Ferguson, who's part of your tribe. Yeah. He's in there. My tribe. Margot Martindale. I love Margot Martindale. She's the best. She always plays like. A villainous. She's great in the movie. Um, uh, I'll watch Ice it. Cube's son. O'Shea came, oh, is that Ice Cube's son? Yeah. He's actually pretty good in he that. He is. It, I mean, came up, yeah. it came up as a Dude, suggested Paul Rubens movie. is in it. I didn't see Paul Rubens I in wonder it. who he was in that. Really? Yeah. Yeah, but he's so good at like hiding. You think he was he like is? the foreign hiker that gets killed? You know what? Don't don't spo- <laughs> no spoilers. Man. I don't know. That's a great <laughs> question. Gary, I will tell you. You'll either love it and you'll end up watching it a second time or you'll hate it. There'll I, probably be nothing in the, the middle. The next podcast, right now. No, down I don't in think Olaf was that that oh, yeah, Hager. Right, he was a yeah. Russian guy. The next podcast he played, he played right played down. himself. 
Oh. I, I don't know if they were watching it on TV or he shows up on TV, but it says he. The ending, himself. the ending is awesome though. Like uh, the, the ending is don't, so don't, good. Don't the don't scene with it. her in the ambulance is the greatest. I can't believe you guys have watched this multiple times. I took a bunch of teenage boys. It was fantastic. It was fun to watch. Okay, now I've got to watch it. Next podcast, I'll do a review. And then bring a list of the people that said it was not good because we'd like to call them out and shame them on the podcast. I think one of them, Bob Mentory on um on Instagram. I think he actually said, I couldn't sit through five minutes. Of the oh, the my movie. God. Yeah, you would either love and it or hate it, man. Yeah, you, but guy. you got to go in knowing that it's going to be. I mean, I, I went in. The first time I saw it, I saw it with uh, um, Scotty's sister because um, she likes horror movies. And we thought it was going to be a horror movie. It was so funny. That's what I thought it was, a no, horror movie. So it was so funny. And I was like, you know what? We're going to. So we ended up. Wendy and I took, like, Sam and all his buddies and just had a great time. You got another one there, uh, Trump? I, I, I got one more. Um, okay. And it's basically – it's your basic, hey, um, th- this is another transcribed one, uh, where there's pictures. The following pictures you are about to see were taken by hikers Kylie Cashwell and John Stone, who both live in Eagle Mountain, Utah, a small uh, town south of Salt Lake City. For the fa- past few years, they'd been exploring the forest in search of interesting things, and one day they found uh, – Kyle was hiking in Cedar Fort, just five miles south of Salt Lake City – while hiking, she found large amounts of animal bones and piles of junk. People had dumped, but things started to get strange when she started coming across strange symbols and animal parts scattered throughout the forest, what? some of them in weird formations. On September 15th, she de- decided to bring her friend Josh along with her to show him in person the unusual things she was finding. This sounds like a movie. Like yeah. that, uh, what was that movie called again? The, uh, that was real, the shaky movie that they did? Oh, oh yeah, that, um, Blair Witch Project. Yeah, Blair that's Witch. right. Yeah, yeah, there you go. This time she came across something even more disturbing on the trail. There was a severed deer head and a pentagram surrounded by deer legs, which there were not there the first time Kylie walked the trail. The sun was going down, and after getting their pictures, they agreed it was time to head back to the car. But the more they walked, the more they realized they didn't recognize the path they were on. The two started looking around for anything they could refresh their memory with uh, of where they were. But as it, uh, it got dark, the two accepted they were lost. With nothing but their phone flashlights to navigate, they started uh, getting the feeling they were being watched. As they picked up their pace, the two started to hear the trees and brushes moving at uh, 20 feet to their right. It made them more concerned by the fact that there was no wind that night. The two uh, started to panic and hurried onto a trail they found hoping it would take them back to Kylie's car. Just when things couldn't get any worse, Kylie and Josh heard the scream so deep and horrific that it sounded neither human nor animal. The two sprinted down the hill, that uh, Kylie, make, uh, Kylie making a conscious effort not to look back, but Josh did, and Josh claimed to see a large black figure on the trail behind them, uh, too big to be a human, uh, the two made it to the car. Stroke of luck, losing whatever was chasing them. So they left the forest and went straight home. Upon doing research, Kylie found documents of common cult practices reporting in these woods, as well as numerous murders and disappearances that happened in the area over the years. This is Utah, you said? Yeah, Salt Lake City, just south of Salt Lake City. Wow, and and really? they show the pictures of like the deer head and shit like that that she took. Wow, okay. It's a folklore. Yeah, that's pretty pretty freaky. Who who was the girl that got kidnapped and they had her chained up and in the woods? Uh, she had been ri- literally kidnapped from her house, and I guess the guy that did it was uh, had done some work for her father, like uh, you know. Is that the smart? I mean, I would think. Yeah, I think smart. that was yeah, Elizabeth Kristen, Smart. Right? Yeah. Was it Elizabeth or Kristen? I think it was Elizabeth oh, okay. Smart, actually. Yeah. 
I think that's what it was. You know, Utah would not be the first place that you would think that kind of stuff would go on. But uh, My understanding of, of Utah, and it's not Salt Lake City. I mean, Salt Lake City and Vegas and, and stuff like that, it's gorgeous out there. Yeah, totally. Um, but you could, I mean, driving through Utah, you could find people that just don't want to be you know, found. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's some pretty remote stretches of Utah for sure. All right, back to you, uh, Cardiac. You out? That's it? Yeah. I'll give you one more. My apologies. You're out, too? I'm out, too. I I did three. I'll give you one more. Yeah, fire away. Uh, So uh, you guys probably – maybe you would remember this. Uh, This is another Appalachian Trail incident. And, again, Kyle Kyle Hates Hiking does a good job of sort of retelling the story. If if anybody's interested – Is this a feral people story? Uh, we already did that. That was the one around Mount Shasta. Oh, okay. That yeah. Was I was paying yeah. attention. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, this was also written up in Backpacker Magazine, too, so there's some articles out about it. But um, this happened in Parisburg. You guys familiar with Parisburg, Virginia? It's kind of western. No. Uh, southwestern Virginia. The AT goes right through town, basically. Um, but uh, in 1981, there was a social worker. His name was Robert Montford. And uh, he was through hiking the trail, and uh, he had a friend, a female friend named Susan Ramsey, and she came out to hike with him for two weeks. So uh, the two met up, and uh, they were going to hike for a couple weeks and finish in Parisburg, and uh, Ramsey had a friend that was supposed to um, pick her up when they finished, and they never showed. So the cops, the authorities were contacted, um, and they did find a local store that had seen the hikers, so they knew they were in the area. This was May of 1981, uh, and then somebody else they had uh, talked to the, in the investigation said they had been seen around this uh, Watipi shelter, and that there was some kind of weird man that was with them, and he was kind of acting really strange. So um, the cops kind of set their search around the shelter, right? And 11 days later, unfortunately, they found uh, they found both bodies buried in separate graves uh, shallow graves they were actually within the uh sleeping bag that they were they were buried in and they had found some blood in between the floorboards of the shelter first so they knew that probably something had gone down there so um fortunately for the investigators uh the murderer had um thumbed through the woman's stuff and she had had a paperback book and uh had got a bloody fingerprint on it so they were able to take that fingerprint and run I guess through a database, and they actually matched it to uh, a guy that had worked in the shipyards that had been printed from his job, and his name was Randall Lee Smith, and they were able to track him down, and they arrested him in Myrtle Beach, and uh, he pled guilty to both murders and got sentenced to 30 years in prison. Wow. For second-degree murder, basically, because he pled guilty. A lot of people were unhappy that he didn't get more time, but... um, but anyway, apparently he goes to prison. He's a model inmate. He serves half his sentence, and he gets out in 1996. So this is where you think the story's over, right? Yeah. It's not. Yeah. So he moves back to Parisburg. It's where he's from, and he reportedly spent a lot of time on the trail in the area. He hiked it, and for basically 12, 12 years, he stays out of trouble, and there's no issues. Uh, but you know where this is going, right? Yeah. So in May of 2008, and I have actually camped at this place. It's called Dismal Creek. It's right off the AT in Virginia. There's a really pretty creek. There's a big like pond where you can fish there's trout in it there's waterfall it's really 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 pretty i'm sure there's listeners that have been there uh, there were two guys scott johnston and john farmer uh went fishing and camping there and had set up a campsite right next to the uh, pond and while they're sitting at the campsite this man comes up and introduces himself as ricky williams and he's got a dog with him and uh, they being neighborly offer him some food 
So uh, he sits down, joins them at their campsite, has some food, they're talking. Next thing you know, he stands up and he shoots Farmer. And um, the Johnston guy starts to run, and then he shoots Johnston, and then he turns back and shoots Farmer again. So Farmer is able to actually run to his Jeep. Johnston's able to basically run down the road and catch Farmer, who is in the Jeep. And both of them basically are in bad critical condition. I think Farmer actually starts losing sight. He can't even see because he's in pretty bad shape. And Johnson is able to take over the steering, but they get out of there. They find a house, and the homeowner calls the cops, and the men are um, basically flown to the hospital in critical condition. And fortunately, both men survived. But um, they found out later that the real shooter was Randall Lee Smith, as you probably saw this w was going this way. Yeah. Oh. And um, basically, he steals the... Um, the, the truck that the guys were driving in. And uh, in the meantime, these guys are being flown to the hospital. from They were in really bad shape. Uh, but apparently this Randall Lee Smith guy that steals this car, he crashes it and gets pretty seriously injured and actually ends up dying four days later in jail. Um, but what's really weird, what's that? Saved some taxpayer money there. Yeah, yeah, really. But what's really weird is they find a map that he had on him with these X's on it, right, like on the map. And so the cops were super suspicious that, like, some things had happened there, right? And so they searched all these places he'd marked on the map, and they found some weird stuff, you know, but, but nothing that indicated he had killed some other people. And uh, both those murders happened within two miles of each other. Wow. So, But they never uh, found anything at those sites, so kind of spooky. And then the shelter has since been torn down, but um, the place that I have actually camped, so super weird. But uh, yeah, yeah, it is crazy when you look at some of the places that – we've been in some of the things that have happened in the history of these places. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know how you really defend against that, right? Like, I mean, you can't, but uh, anyway, so, well guys, I guess that about wraps up our uh, Halloween episode. Any spooky, spooky any, music? On yeah. The yeah. What, what do you, how are you guys finishing the weekend here as we go into the uh, football's tomorrow? I'm going to a Halloween party tonight. Yeah. And I'm dressed as a Duncan. Are you dressing up in a costume? Yeah, of course. It's a Halloween party. What are you dressing up as? I'm dressing up as a Dunkin' Donut. I'm wearing a no. Dominique Wilkins jersey with a donut. <laughs> nice. So it's with like a, a donut? Yeah, like basketball dunk, but donut. Dunkin' Donut. Oh, that's funny. You're not going to dress up as Gumby? I thought that was your go-to. That's my go-to to go trick-or-treating. This is a party in which I want to be able to drink, and Gumby doesn't allow to drink. Gumby just collects candy. <laughs> oh, okay. I got you. Yeah, All I right. guess when you have the big costume on. Yeah, so I, I want. Great. Yeah, I mean. We, Do you have a Gumby costume at your house? Gumby, yeah. I've had it for years. Holy shit. But um, really? the. Uh, we go to this party every year, and it's incredible what some of these people dress up. And some, like, because they have obviously contests and, and yeah. who wins it or whatever. But one year, these guys dressed up. I don't know if you remember those block boxing things where you, like, you're. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, you knock the block off. Yeah. yeah, so they dress. I mean, they created this unbelievable elaborate. And they won. But, dude, it was the most uncomfortable thing to, like, <laughs> hang out at a party in these giant blocks. I mean, so I have, over the years, I dressed up like the hosts one year. I dressed up as Hans and Franz one year. I went as a Rastafari like Bob Marley guy and then um uh last year I went as milk with I'm a not that cookie. Fun. I I don't think I've dressed up since I was probably in my early 20s. I had I went as Hans and Franz one time myself. It was a terrible idea cuz I wore a sweatshirt over like some cushions to make yeah. myself look yeah, big. Like, oh, so and I hot. I've never been so hot in my I, life. I did. I, I had a muscle, oh like God. you know one of those muscle compression things where it looks like you know I had a six pack and yeah. instead of a keg and uh um, yeah. Another terrible idea for two reasons. Uh, I was looking for a last-minute uh, uh, costume. We were having a party at the house. 
So I took a bunch of toilet paper and made myself into a mummy. Oh, God. Which is great until you take a drink of beer and you yeah. end up with wet toilet paper uh, all over your all face. All over your face. And, and then there's no toilet paper in the house. So then you oh. got a problem the, that rest of the night oh. and the next morning. Hey, well, yeah, anyway. do as you do in India, left hand. Yeah. <laughs> I told uh, I told Wendy we should go. I'll wear a suit, and she wears nothing except whipped cream, and we'll go as a birthday suit. Ah, oh, uh, there you go. Yeah, just want to remind the listeners that uh, if you're in any major city, you're much more likely to have something to happen to you than on the trail. So goal here not to spook you, but to uh, since it's the Halloween episode, give you some interesting to and dress up as a water boy in scary Atlanta. Water boy in Atlanta. Water boy. Yeah, sure. Well, guys, thanks for uh, coming to the show. Thanks. Uh, yeah. It's always a pleasure, Bird Shooter. Uh, look forward to the, to future podcasts. And um, yeah, make sure, always... make, make sure you grab some Halloween candy on the way out. I, I've had enough, I think. <laughs> I, I, I need uh, to the, wear The wrapper's on the counter right now. Let's see, I'm counting five, six, maybe seven. Yeah, well, cardiac's <laughs> already into the Halloween uh, activity. He's been chewing more than your dog, Boone. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, All thanks right, again, again. For, for being on the show. My pleasure. You've been listening to the N2 Backpacking Podcast. This is your host, Bird Shooter, wishing you the best for your travels on the trail. To subscribe to the show, visit iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, or your favorite podcast app. And give us a thumbs up or a positive comment while you're there. You can also stream shows directly from n2backpacking.com. Just click the podcast tab on the main menu. Music from the show was provided by Jerris under a Creative Commons license and is titled Hillbilly Anarchy. The show is a production of N2 Backpacking and is copyrighted by N2 Ventures, Inc. For more information on this podcast or to provide feedback or comments on this or future shows, please visit us at n2backpacking.com. That's the letter N, the number 2, backpacking.com.